It's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy. And today we're taking a look at a non-canon movie. That would be 1982's The Thing by John Carpenter. Written by, screenplay by Bill Lancaster, based on the novella Who Goes There by John W. Campbell mm -hmm. Jr. And starring Kurt Keith David. Russell. Oh, yes, and, and oh, Kurt Russell. Keith David, too, yes. And Donald Pleasance in the alternate reality version of this one, uh, mm -hmm. but actually Wilford Brimley. Yep, what Wilford Brimley is in this one. I mean, um, we're probably wasting a bit of time describing this movie because everyone probably knows what this is about. By pop cultural osmosis, you know this movie, or you saw the bad remake sequel, a prequel from 2011? Yeah. This uh, this movie is kind of probably I think is probably John Carpenter's most famous movie, even though it was a bomb when it came out. Um, Instant junk is what they described it as at the time, which was uh, quite amazing. But then again, as we've we've realized when we've been doing Canon Cruisers, apparently every single good uh, John Carpenter movie bombed, and every single bad one did really well for some reason. Prince of Darkness, what the hell? That was a huge hit, but this was a flop. Go figure. Yeah, so this is a movie about an alien that crash lands in the Arctic and um, starts taking over um, human beings and uh, organisms and a bunch of guys got to stop him from doing that. Well, they don't have to stop him. It's just that they're... Well, they don't want to die. So they don't, yeah, they they're trying to, to survive. Him. They do have to stop him because they don't want to die. But yeah, that's pretty much the entire movie. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody already knows that that's what the plot is. But uh, what makes the movie so memorable is Russell. it's about a bunch of it's a small cast of characters, first of all. And it's you about... You want me just to read off the, the character names or the actual I mean, you actors? Can. Kurt it's... Russell is R.J. McCready. Mm -hmm. A. Wilford Brimley is Blair. Mm -hmm. T.K. Carter is Nalls. David mm -hmm. Clennon is Palmer. Mm -hmm. Keith David is Childs. Richard Dysart is Dr. Cooper. Charles Hallahan is Norris. Mm -hmm. Peter Maloney is George Bennings. Richard Masseur is Clark. Donald Moffat is Gary. Joel Polis is Fuchs, and Thomas Waits is Windows, and featuring Jed as the initial dog. Yeah, because there were dogs in this movie. But it's a that's pretty much everybody who's actually in the movie, aside from the two Norwegian guys at the beginning, one who blows himself up and one who gets shot in the head. But everybody else is exactly who you just listed off. There's nobody else in the movie. It's a small cast. And because of that, it's since it's a movie about closed spaces and paranoia. In the Antarctic. In the Antarctic. And it's it, largely scenes of uh, grown men yelling at each other in closed rooms. And breaking down. And eventually uh, turning on each other, turning back on each other, and trying to kill an alien that's trying to kill them. Like That's pretty much the entire movie. But like I said, what makes it work is the performances of all the characters, especially by... Uh, Kurt Russell and Keith David, I think, were the best ones in this movie. Also, Wilford Brimley was pretty good. He had a really good breakdown scene. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. And the whole film is just about them going back and forth with each other. So, like I said, it's 
of all the ones, like if we wanted to describe uh, Prince of Darkness, we'd have to go into a big spiel about oh, it. Oh right, we forgot mess. we forgot to mention that this is part of the uh, unofficially part of the apocalyptic apocalypse trilogy, apocalyptic trilogy of John Carpenter, featuring this movie, um, End of Days. No. <laughs> uh, what's the other one? Um, Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness in and the Mouth of Madness. In the Mouth of Madness. Thank you. Even though the three of them really don't have that much in common. Other, th- other than that they're about the end of the world. Sort of. This one kind of is, but kind of not. It's more really about these small enclosed space of this group of people trying to survive. And then finding out by the end that that's not going to happen. So we've also basically seen every John Carpenter movie in his prime period. Well, that's one of the reasons I wanted to save this one for last, because this is the most popular one he did, and it's probably his most famous one, even though, as I said... It's also his favorite film that he made. It probably is probably the one that encapsulates every single side of him the best, I'd say. So you're saying that the thing is to John Carpenter as... uh, Inner Space is to Joe Dante. It's the most Carpenter of Carpenter films, just as Inner Space is the most Dante of Dante films. I guess you could probably say that because this has pretty much every trope you'd expect John Carpenter to do. Except for John Carpenter music. No, because the music in this movie was done by Ennio Morricone, who is best known for spaghetti westerns like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. He did the very iconic theme in this movie, which is more or less encapsulated by two bass notes. Dun, dun. Dun dun. As I say, what is this? Uh, Law and Order, Life on the Streets. What do you think? That's they homicide. Got Sorry, that's homicide. Life on the Streets. What do you think they got it from? In fact, what do you think the Terminator theme got it from? From this. Do, 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 yeah. do. They just added more notes to it. But yeah, and that's well. If you much... want to go that far, Jaws. Do 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 do. Yeah, Steven Spielberg again. Yeah. That's a whole different thing, though. But yeah, this was this would be the movie I would say best encapsulates him. It was one of the reasons I wanted to save it for last. I mean, there's still other ones left, but I don't think any of them are as essential as any of the ones we've already covered. Um, this is probably the most essential. So, Randy, I don't think you've ever seen this one before, have you? Nope, but as I said, by pop cultural osmosis, I knew every single beat of this movie, <laughs> including the iconic ending and including many of the iconic... Uh, scares, quote unquote scares. It's not really that scary of a movie. Except for the part where you actually jump. Well, yeah, because it was literally a jump scare that I wasn't expecting to pop out on the screen. It's one of the few jump scares that's actually been effective, I find. You just don't expect it to happen. Yeah, like I said, the movie is about uh, tension, paranoia, and uh, really creepy special effects that are done really well. When you have to, when you watch this movie, you have to remind yourself, this is 1982. And this does not look like a 1982 effects. This looks like 87, 89. Yeah, this movie looks like uh, 2011's The Thing, but that's because... <laughs> 2011's The Thing wishes it looked as good as this. Like, this looks like what you would expect this would look like later on. I mean, practical effects at this point were not usually this good. Honestly, J.D., though, practical effects and Carpenter go hand in hand. They so do. it's not really surprising for me. No, not really, because... Um, up until even we covered in the mouth of bandits, the practical effects in that movie are also really good too. This is not reality. The giant thing running down that hallway was really disturbing looking too. But yeah, this is so his his best best practical effect in all his movies is uh, 
what's his name? Is it Bo or is it Jeff Bridges and Starman just being himself? And his, his really weird movement of his faces? That's a, that's a really good special effect to make Jeff Bridges look something like Jeff Bridges, but a bit alien. Yeah, he it's, looks. He moves like a bird. It's not. It's not acting. It's apparently special effects. Yeah, yeah, that was all just a, a meat suit, and they had they, they were moving him around like he was a bird. Well, uh, yeah, my impressions would be I've seen this movie before, obviously, and I really liked it then, and my opinion on it has not changed at all. It still holds up really well. So, with that said, um, what do you think we should go into, Randy? Ah, let's let's leave out on the let's let's leave the high notes for later. Let's go for the low notes. What's what's bad about this movie, JD? Uh, there's nothing bad about this movie. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I if I had to pick anything bad about the movie, it would really be scraping the bottom of the barrel because this movie does everything it wants to do. I mean, the way it does, for instance, the, the twists could very easily be convoluted or confusing, but somehow he manages to handle it in a way where it's very crystal clear what's happening at all. I times. think, honestly, J.D., the low note for this movie is that they don't explain what happened with the Norwegians and that we needed to make another movie. <laughs> we to explain to what happened with the Norwegians prior to this movie, which turned out was the exact same thing as what happened with the Americans in this movie. Which you could have inferred by literally the first 15 minutes when they go there and see what happens. That's just the most ridiculous thing. But yeah, I don't really have a low light for this movie. Um, it's it's hard for me because it's like there's some situations outside of our control really uh, hampered my enjoyment of the movie, um, mm. which kind of screwed up my, I, I want to say pacing, but part of that is the fault of others not letting me have immersion in the movie. Well, yeah, that's a problem too, I guess, but it's not really with this movie. I mean, some yeah, movies like yeah. this in general is that if you lose track of the pacing or the atmosphere, it kind of can be hard to get back into it. But... Um, yeah, every time I've had to stop, it's like it took me like a good 10 minutes to get back into the movie. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Um, well, I, found, I might as well go into positive for me is that um, uh, normally for me, like a slow pacing and a thing like this would be annoying. But in this movie, it works really well because it's the atmosphere in this movie is great. Uh, the music is really tense and really tight. And the acting is very engaging whenever literally anybody says anything. So it's really hard to lose your focus unless you're li literally jarred out of it, like by outside interference. Which happened to me what three times? Yeah, about three times. Even my freaking dog decided to hold it because she was watching the damn movie near the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for overall highlight, probably I would say the ending just encapsulates everything about the movie. Just how it's how it ends on such a note of, uh, well, I don't know ambiguity. If it's you. I don't know if it's you. So let's just wait and see. I don't know if it's you, and I don't know if it's me, because for the first time in a while, it wasn't—I wasn't on camera and being followed, so even the audience doesn't know if it could be me. Yeah, that's that's a, one of the tricks of the movie is how it does that, how it follows somebody, and you don't think they are, and then they are, like especially with Blair Will for Brimley's character, how he got it. We're still kind of confusing on that one, but because of the way the movie's filmed, that could have happened at any point, and there's really no way for you. But to what know. about the Norwegians, JD? What about them? Well, one of them got shot and the other one blew himself up. That's all we know with them. But what about you? What do you think? The is acting. Yeah, like, like I said, it really sells the whole paranoia and mistrust in that movie from every single person in there. Yeah, this movie kind of need to have the acting that it brought to this movie. That's why when you mentioned Donald Pleasance, then maybe that would have been good. Yeah, that originally they had wanted Donald Pleasance to be playing uh, I mean, he's done roles like Blair, this really well. Uh, but he had conflicts, so they, they got Wilford Brimley. Who did a fantastic job. 
Yeah, he had a scene where he breaks down and literally breaks up everything with an axe and tries to shoot people. It's just a mental breakdown. And he did it really well. Really good performance. And then at that point, I don't think he was the alien. No, we don't know. I don't think he was the alien. I think it happened when he was being kept alone. That it could have been. Um, that's part of the thing too, because of the whole thing about paranoia. Some people make bad decisions and stupid decisions. One of the guy literally, literally gets himself killed, who is human attacking a human, shot in the head. Yeah. Because he just didn't trust anybody. And he, um, this guy, Wilford Brimley Blair, uh, broke a whole bunch of crap and got put alone. And he asked, remember, I'm okay, you can let me out. Well, they Shady. can't trust Shady. him. He broke everything down because mm. that's what they do at the end of the movie. It's like, we're not getting out of here. We can't let it out. He destroyed everything. That's why I said I think he wasn't at that point. Yeah. That's why one I mean. of them. he could have been uh, he could have been normal a normal human, but he was put out in alone. And there was a scene where they went out there, and they could have let him out, but they didn't. Well, we we know he wasn't. We in know a, why. We know he wasn't in a good mind when you walk exactly. in there. Do you see? There's a noose hanging there, and he's like, "I'm yeah. good now, guys. I'm good." It's like, "Oh, uh, you have a noose here." Exactly. There's a lot of that in the movie where it's like, maybe if they would have trusted them, they would have been okay. But then you think, well, I can see why they didn't because of this. Yeah, but, but because they didn't, mm -hmm. then this thing happened. Yeah. So, like, it's a high-pressure situation. It could go either way. And I think it went probably as well for them as it could have for anybody else, really. They're just lucky they didn't die a lot sooner, I guess. But, yeah, uh, uh, as a whole, I would say um, this is definitely one of the best John Carpenter movies. And I can see why it was so influential. I don't see why it bombed. But then again, well, I was critics some, really hated it. No, I was doing some... Yeah, they didn't like the nihilistic ending. But no, they, they were very much... It was at the time you had movies like E.T. Where it was like, oh, they wanted to see more hopeful aliens. And not that, oh, they're, they're the monsters and so are we. They wanted, mm -hmm. they wanted a little bit more hope. They didn't want the dark, bleak ending of the thing. Well, like I said, that's part of the appeal of the movie. Is that it's a horror situation where things just don't go right. And what happens by the end of it? Like E.T. So is really a horror movie. This is so at the end, JD. Who who uh, of the two left standing are either of them the thing? Neither of them are the thing. I think that's the point. They're both dead, and they both don't know that they're dead, and they think the other one might not be dead, but it doesn't really matter. They're dead because I know also through a pop culture osmosis, and then they later on go on to destroy it in interviews of the year, kind of yeah. like with Blade Runner, which was released on the same exact day as this. Which where also the, where, where the where, also bomb where the endings are ambiguous and you're meant to wonder is mm. is, uh, is Deckard a, a replicant is Childs and uh, McCready uh, or McCready a uh, thing yeah I don't think Who were, well the look in his eye oh no he he McCready gave him acid he was like remember they're calling to the acid at the beginning that's what was in the bottle that's mm. why he smiled when he drank it yeah. and he didn't have a reaction because he knew that was the thing mm. I don't think that was it I think literally that neither one of them was. Uh, for some reason, we knew McCready wasn't, and we know uh, Childs could have killed him from behind if he wanted to, and he didn't. I think it's just uh, they're both they're both dead anyway, and they're just like making a joke to say that doesn't really matter. We're dead, so <laughs> might as well just wait. And besides, the thing blew up pretty good too. But as a whole, <laughs> it blew up darn dare pretty. It did blow up pretty well. <laughs> this is one of those those two things too where. Um, he took advantage of the fact like he doesn't really do action sequences all that well, but there aren't really action sequences in this movie. There's just sequences of horror. I want to say it's like action sequences not that well. Are we talking about the same John Carpenter? You know, 
Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christine with the really cool car coming together. Yeah, you know what I mean by action sequence. I know, I know. I'm just being facetious. As far as, like I said, horror, this is pretty much as good as he ever got, especially in the horror, the horror genre. Although, like I said, there's... I don't know, I'm really struggling to try to pick the movie apart. It's really difficult. I'm pretty sure it's endured as long as it has for a very good reason. Yes. So I'm going to... I, I put on my Karnak, the Magnificent Cap here. I'm reading the envelope and I'm saying that five. The score that JD gave it. Am it's I a, correct? Yes, it's a five. It's uh, Like I said, it's pretty much a perfect horror movie. I don't really think you could have made this movie any better than this. Um, I might just be desensitized. I don't really see it as really that horror. I do see the body horror, but I don't really feel it like it was horror. I didn't feel like there was a high tension. Regardless of all that, I still give it a five. It is a great film. Yeah. The uh, majority of Carpenter's films are great. Mm -hmm. Most of the ones we've covered, too. Yeah. There's only like a small handful left, which we might cover in the next season or so, because why not? We might as well finish them off. Yes, we have another season, folks, just so you know, because it's out of order. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, for this movie, um, I would say it's a highest recommend, especially if you just like, uh, you know some of the things about the movie. You might as well see the full context of where they came from. Because like I said, for a 1982 movie, it doesn't really feel like a 1982 movie it kind of feels like it came later that's why every time i ever think about this movie i forget the year and i say like what was that 87 80 88 89 and like, oh 80 82 no, i mean i always know it's an early one <laughs> it's just because like i said it's just it's I, I don't know it doesn't really feel like it came out the time it did come out well i guess you could say that about blade runner too i guess considering what it inspired as well but, um, like I said, as it is, um, I guess that's all we really got for this movie. I mean, it's a pretty well-known film. Everybody knows about it. Just might as well finish off our cap of the season and uh, with a good John Carpenter film that we haven't covered yet. Darn to it. All right. And with that, we'll see you next time, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>